Are you concerned about hitting your revenue targets this month, quarter, or year? Your answer is Value Prime Solutions, a sales training and marketing optimization company leveraging the value selling framework. Visit www.valueprimesolutions.com and start accelerating your results. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. If you're not able to listen to the entire show today, please visit the website, b2brevexec.com. You'll find links to this conversation and interview as well as others we've conducted and content designed to specifically help you beat your targets. Today, I'm excited to speak with Todd Kathlish, Vice President and Chief Technical Officer for the Minnesota Vikings. I've had the pleasure to know and work with Todd for some time, and I think he's one of the most insightful executives I've had the pleasure of working with. His career in the high-tech side of professional sports uh, ranges from working with the San Antonio Spurs, New Orleans Hornets, Detroit Red Wings, and now the Vikings, where he's deeply involved in not only all the technical aspects of running the franchise, but also the new U.S. Bank Stadium. For those who haven't had a chance to check it out, highly recommend it, Uh, as well as the new multi-use facility and headquarters, 200 acres that is broken ground and in process. Todd, I sincerely want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, and as we're getting ready for this podcast, we decided to focus on fan experience. And so it really kind of was a jumping off point. Love to just get your perspective on kind of the state of the fan experience and where you think it's headed. Well, thanks, Chad. I appreciate you having me on your podcast. Um, I, I am a real tech geek when it comes to sports, so I love <laughs> talking about it. So I will probably drone on at some point just to tell me when to stop but uh but anyways no fan experience you know i've been in uh, pro sports it for almost 30 years and uh i've seen the transition in fan experience i mean i can remember when i was in college i used to go to uh celtics basketball games in boston with my roommate and uh you know, it was all men. They were all smoking cigars and cigarettes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, half time would come, they would, they would play the organ and then the basketball game would, would finish. But, uh, it has come light years since then, you know, now to the point of all the, the mobile integration and all the high tech, uh, access control and, and video and, and just, you know, the whole, whole hoopla and the circus and in the presentation of the game itself you know there's a lot of competition for the discretionary dollars that people spend on entertainment so you know everybody is looking to up their game all the time you know but fan experience is the key and you know it's not necessarily a case of you know just keep doing more you know i mean wi-fi has become really you know an expected staple you know, as fan demographics have changed, you know, I mean, like, I, you know, the Celtics example I gave, you know, a lot of teams, you know, have older demographics, you know, as season ticket holders, but those demographics are starting to shift more towards uh, younger generations, a very, very mobile integrated uh, generations that, you know, expect their phones to work when they go. And in the cases of a lot of uh, sporting and entertainment venues, you know, that haven't sort of 
kept up with that trend of, you know, having high-density distributed antenna systems or Wi-Fi, fans have flat out told them they are just not coming. You know, they're not going to go someplace that, you know, their phone bricks and they're disconnected. So amenities, you know, like Wi-Fi, or it's become an amenity, is an expectation. And moving forward, mobile is, is going to even become more of an element of the game experience and just the, the operations and how people, you know, enjoy the experience, whether it's, you know, watching replay video or it's augmented reality uh, stats, it's, you know, fantasy gaming, it's text-to-win type of, you know, gamification and, and competitions in the venues. So it's really kind of lending or leading that direction. But, you know, it, it also really helps kind of maybe seeing that or seeing down the road with the high mobile integration that, you know, it also gives teams huge insight into, you know, how to connect with those fans and especially outside of the venue or the event. So they can, you know, almost have regular touch points with those fans and season ticket holders. So it's a two-way street, but everybody's sort of latched on onto that, you know, for the most part. One of the things that I really look for that I've seen in a lot of postseason surveys is, is making the experience frictionless. Year after year, I've seen surveys, you know, everybody complains about the parking and the traffic and <laughs> things like that. So it's addressing those. So, I mean, there's there, I think probably most of the, you know, the teams that are out there sort of leading the charge on tech integration and fan experience really are looking more at, you know, what they would call the, the driveway to driveway experience. And it's literally from the time you leave home, leading you through traffic or, or avoiding traffic, you know, directly into a parking space, you know, that's even waiting for you if, you know, your systems are sophisticated enough. And then, you know, the mobile device helps guide you right in through a, a mobile ticket, through the gate entry of the event, and then to your seat or to your favorite concession or to help you find a bathroom that kind of thing. It's the, the problems and the challenges that people have that are really the obstacles to fan experience. It's not always necessary the fact that, you know, they you don't have the right beer or the seats, you know, aren't close enough to the stage or the court or field or whatever. It's but it's a lot of that, you know, it's the it's the kind of remove the pain in the ass factor thing and you know and all that kind of stuff. When we were talking in the past and, and we were up by the U.S. Bank Stadium, it was interesting for me to see how uh, we've kind of, you know, you get to a point where digital and cell phones create a disconnect, right, between the, the fan and the experience. But we've gotten to a point, and we saw this when we were talking to the, even the tailgaters up there, where digital kind of creates a new level of table stakes. Like you have to have a certain level of digital interaction the fans expect it. And if you can provide that, then it almost enhances it to a point where you can connect in a way with the fans that wasn't even possible before. So they've gone from not having any type of connection with, with the team to technology getting in the way to now it's evolved enough where they're actually, uh, it's enabling kind of immersive, complete experiences. Is that kind of what you're seeing at the, at the new stadium? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's everybody's goal is to, I guess, you know, maybe offer that whole cornucopia of of options, you know, whether they like fantasy sports or they're into 
replays or they want a instant message, you know, let's say with other fans within the venue, those types of things. He can't really always tell. I mean, you can kind of figure it out by the demographics, but you really the, the, the key on the back end to a lot of that is capturing the data behind the, the device use because you can you really get a great kind of 360 degree view of the fan, you know, by the, you know, the type of content that they consume on those devices. I mean, there are all kinds of studies and surveys that can link those with different demographics. So you really can kind of get a great picture of who that is. I mean, down almost to the individual level and then mar- you know, basically do pinpoint target marketing you know, to those people with stuff that is relevant. You know, it's not it's not the days of the shotgun email blast anymore. You know, it's you send Jaguar ads to, you know, the people in the, the suite level and you send, you know, the Ford or Chevy ads to the people that might be, you know, in the upper deck kind of stuff. So, you know, it, it just it provides a much higher degree of success in that type of, let's say, engagement and uh, which also generates more revenue because, you know, partners and sponsors, you know, are, you know, want to have better engagement and, and pay for what they know is going to work. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It creates a new, a new facet for all of these sports organizations, which I know you're dealing with firsthand, and that is an onslaught of data. So mm-hmm. I mean, you you have you go from not really knowing who the fans are unless they're wearing the shirts, right? And to the point where you literally have digital profiles or, or can have digital profiles of them. So I'm kind of curious, how have you guys um, kind of structured or positioned yourselves to be able to capture as well as capitalize on that data with partners? Well, I mean, it's simple things like you know the digital ticketing. So I mean, we can generate a lot of insight by seeing where fans are entering, what time. Or through beacons and the wayfinding, we can almost, you know, we can see sort of what their path was to the stadium. So that way we, we know where maybe it's best to put up booths or sponsor related collateral that, you know, will expose them to that stuff. So uh, there's things like that. And with uh, our systems that like, let's say, do in-seat food ordering services or pickup, I mean, that that tells us what types of foods people like, you know, so we can better craft menus. Uh, I mean, you name it. I mean, every time that device is, is used, it's generating data that we, we can extrapolate a better view of that fan. We can track them. You know, we will know kind of in a lot of ways where they've been and almost, you know, figure out kind of what their next steps will be, you know, after enough data is collected. Have you ever had any fans, I mean, I don't think this would be the case, but I remember back when, when people started to realize that their cell phone uh, actually had GPS positioning and they got all freaked out, right? Like, oh man, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want people knowing where I am. And now fast forward five, six, seven years, people get annoyed if the phone doesn't know where they are, if that digital experience there. Have you ever mm-hmm. had any fans push back on giving that type of, of visibility into their behaviors or have they welcomed it? I mean, we, we did some work when I was at the, at the Red Wings with beacons, you know, that required Bluetooth to be enabled. And, you know, that, that we found out, you know, it had a very limited success, you know, because fans would, would turn off their Bluetooth either because they didn't, they didn't want to bother with it. They didn't want to be tracked or, or, you know, they just didn't want their, their batteries to, you know, (laughs) die while they're at the event. (laughs) So I would say not 
actively. Again, it's kind of like that demographic shift, you know, in season ticket holders to a more sort of mobile integrated kind of demographic that that just, you know, kind of understands. I mean, that's just kind of part of the the table stakes now. You know, it's look at the kind of stuff people put out on on social media. It's, you know, I mean, there's no privacy, you know, (laughs) so, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, I mean, they can't really look at us and say, hey, what are you doing? Right. You know, I mean, our goal is all above board to to use the data to to increase that, you know, fan experience, make it more frictionless. You know, obviously, you know, we want to we're going to use that data to generate more revenue. But I think there's there's a balance there that, you know, teams are, are willing to make. And it's just for for the good of of everybody. Yeah. And I think it all comes back to, at least from what I've seen, the trust that people have and the people that are getting, you know, in the organizations that are getting the data. So yep. are they ethical, right? And trustworthy. As well as how is it being used to provide that frictionless experience? Because that, that is really, if you get to a point in digital where digital enables that frictionless, then you get to a point where you can also start to architect the physical, right? You and I have talked about this before, especially with the, that new U.S. Bank Stadium. Some of the physical aspects that are designed into that experience are, are second to none. I mean, now granted, I also am a huge Vikings fan of the people, not necessarily the football team, no offense, but that whole theme, that whole um, <laughs> mythos, right, is, is it just swallows you up when you walk into that stadium. And, and I'm curious if you have any plans on how you want to enhance that for the next seasons or lessons that you learned from that first season with the Vikings in that stadium and that, those types of experiences you guys are kind of planning on for the future? You know, I mean, certainly lessons learned, you know, I mean, it was our, our first year in the state, first season. And uh, I can't say that we made any mistakes, but we've certainly seen areas where, you know, there's room for improvement. One of the complaints that we've, we have heard is versus, you know, the old Metrodome. I mean, they're still, lines for the bathrooms and lines for concession. Those are the kind of things that we're, we are definitely looking at and looking at ways to fix. I mean, there are systems kind of like wait times out there uh, that, you know, will give all the indicators, you know, either on digital signage or even integrated with mobile that will tell you where the shorter lines are, you know, or the, where there's no waits for concessions or bathrooms. You know, you just got to be able, you know, be willing to take that information and use it. You know, fans, fans in a lot of ways are very habit driven. So, you know, I mean, they might want to buy the same burger or beer or whatever it is at the concession stand nearest their seat, you know, even if they have to wait. But our goal is to is to get them through the lines because, I mean, there's benefits for us as well, because then it's again, it's that frictionless environment. And, you know, also it reduces, you know, attrition, line attrition. So revenues go up because people don't don't jump out of line because, you know, something happened out on the field and they want to run and see the replay. You know, they can either catch it on their their phone as a replay or they, you know, they're not in line long enough to, to miss anything like that. So, you know, I, I would say, you know, the line thing is certainly one that, you know, we're we're looking hard at with the Super Bowl coming up this year. I mean, there there are some other things that we're kind of looking at in conjunction with the league it really around a lot of it's around security and and just logistics of, of getting to the stadium, you know, because traffic being the most urban, 
football, you know, NFL stadium in the league, traffic is is an issue. And because of the the large footprint of the stadium, you know, there's not a lot of parking just directly around the building. So that puts people on foot, that puts people in cars. And so accommodating them with specific drop-off points and things for riders or, you know, Uber and Lyft and and those kind of things, you know, and of course, nothing really immediate, but, you know, looking down the road at, at autonomous vehicles, you know, driverless cars, you know, how are we going to address that and electric vehicles and, you know, recharging and you know, there's, there's some things there, but uh, I think overall it was a successful first season for us. We are looking at some, some upgrades and things, you know, as far as, you know, cell charging stations, you know, increasing the number of those. We're looking at even some automation in our suites to improve the, the fan experience there. There's a number of things, you know, but it's it's the off season. We're, we're kicking those around right now. How about those doors? If anybody gets a chance, to, seriously, if anybody goes to Minneapolis, you have to go see the stadium simply because of the doors on the front of it. I've never seen anything like it. In fact, Apple may be the only other place in their new in their new headquarters that may have bigger doors. But how did those work out this year for you? They were a phenomenal success. You know, I, I don't know if anybody is really familiar uh, that hasn't seen the stadium or, or heard, but we have what they call five legacy doors and. I hadn't heard about Apple's doors, but, you know, ours, I believe they're in the Guinness Book of World Records. It's the largest glass doors on earth. So, I mean, they're, what, four stories tall, four or five? Anyways, it's five doors side by side on the and the west end zone of the stadium that literally swing out and open, you know, to basically extend our concourse into the, the great outdoors of, of beautiful Minnesota. You know, so during during the preseason and the early part of the, the season, you know, we can open these doors and it's it's almost it's almost like a, a carnival effect because it's just <laughs> it big no, it's open air and I mean you were there, I mean all the people and they're you know, they're drinking and having a great time and, and there's there's activities, you know, outside, you know, of the doors and I mean the cool thing is, is beyond because of these giant video walls that we have on each, you know, above each end zone, you know, you could literally stand outside of the big legacy doors on the plaza, having a beer, enjoying the fresh air, look right through the doors, you know, the whole length of the field and literally watch the game <laughs> like you're in your living room. So, yeah, I mean, the doors are, are amazing. It, it really is a neat effect when they're open. I mean, we unfortunately, you know, can't can't leave them open all season but uh yeah <laughs> well we talked to some tailgaters that said they wanted they wanted the cold back <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i'm just not sure goes, the masses yeah, want that <laughs> that goes way back i think <laughs> so when you um when we were talking about the the new training facility we, you and i were specifically talking about how to make that an unraveled experience as well i know the vikings and, and kevin in particular very concerned and focused on making sure that that facility serves not only the Vikings, but the community as a whole. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, what are some of the plans to entice uh, the community involvement in that 
of course, there is the give back, the part of the community aspect of it. But at the end of the day, it all has to pay for itself, at least. Um, mm-hmm. And it is a great expansion for uh, the Vikings in terms of diversifying some of their business with some of the plants that you guys have there. But I'm kind of curious, what is the community excited about this? And have you heard anything specific about what people are looking forward to the most? Uh, you know, we, we have been working you know, side by side with the city of Egan and a lot of things, you know, just because they're very integrated in, in the mixed use development and our new practice facility, just from a city streets and, and utilities, you know, kind of thing up to wanting to, you know, and encouraging us, you know, with development of accelerator and incubator programs, you know, and, and, uh, you know, especially around tech, sports tech and integration of smart city technology as well. You know, we had a, a demonstration with Verizon last week and I had uh, members of the city of Egan there that were very excited about how we're looking to sort of build this community within a community on our 200 acres of which, you know, 40 acres is, you know, strictly dedicated to the practice facility and, and what we need, you know, to run the football operations. But the balance of it literally is, you know, kind of a live work play environment that's going to include residential areas, uh, commercial, restaurant, retail, bars, office build. I mean, you name it. I mean, it's going to be, like I said, a city within a city where through things like smart city technology, we want to test different elements of technology around that space, you know, in order to make it very walkable and very welcoming, you know, to the people that are come there. Because we're, we're going to also have, you know, as part of the, the Vikings, 40 acres, a 6,000 seat stadium there, primarily for training camp. But we're going to also leverage that space for high school football and soccer tournaments and and outdoor concerts. And, and I mean, there's been discussion about even outdoor hockey <laughs> during the winter time, right. plus there are going to be lakes on the property that are going to have you know this really like picturesque walks and things around them and different development. But we're going to be using the lakes as well. There's going to be facilities for during the winter time. There'll be a warming hut for people that want to ice skate or play play pond hockey out there. And you know then during the summer, be able to rent paddle boards and kayaks and things. And you know there's been talk about doing curling events and, and all kinds of, I mean, you name it. I mean, it, I mean, it's kind of the, the sky's the limit at this point, but that's what we're trying to do is with these assets that we have and the way that the, that the whole development is designed is make it a place where people come and have fun and, and they're going to want to come back. That is, it's, it's really kind of a different sort of outlook on, you know, how, how pro sports teams, you know, have really kind of operated in the past where it's been more of a sort of isolated, you know, kind of a protected environment, you know, because they they want to concentrate on, you know, becoming champions and, and developing their teams or players, you know. So without the distractions of all these other things, well, we're flipping that 180. I mean, we want we want people involved. We want them there. Because this is the Vikings are Minnesota's team, and you know that's the way that that we look at it here, and we we want to be involved in the community and and help it grow. Because you know when that happens, you know good things you know will happen for us as well. 
And it's a massive project. I mean, I've seen the, what is that, about a foot and a half of blueprints on your desk? It's, 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 it's almost, I mean, it's almost the size of, of stone tablets. It's a massive project. And I'm curious, how do you identify the right partners to work with the Vikings, work with you on, on realizing this vision? You know, what is it that when you choose a partner, what is it that you're looking for uh, and that resonates with you and the Vikings organization? Well, I mean, we, we've got, you know, some existing partners like the CenturyLinks and the Verizons out there that, you know, have brought technology to the table, and they're very good at that. So, I mean, those were kind of the easy ones, you know, that allowed us to really adapt, you know, what they have and, and to other, the project, where, let's say, kind of that, that gap analysis takes place, and we find out these other areas where maybe, you know, they don't have expertise or, or a solution, that's where, you know, start to look outward at uh, maybe what, what other sports teams are doing, kind of what's going on out there and the, even in the tech startup world, you know, to see if, you know, there's opportunities for us to partner with maybe some up-and-comers that we can sort of co-promote and partner and, and help develop their technology and, and also drive revenue. So those are the kind of opportunities that I think really help us differentiate from other organizations and kind of how that they, you know, that they run, they operate. But I mean, we, we also have a bigger palette to work with than most. <laughs> it's true. Everybody wants to work with the NFL teams. So I, I think attracting those partners isn't the, it's the challenge. I'm curious, do you spend a lot of time like with the Central, Central Links or the Verizons or other kind of staple partners? Do you spend a lot of time getting them used to or understanding the vision? And do you, do you see them struggling with it? I ask because that concept of experience, right, of frictionless experience, for people that don't live it or think about it, it can be a pretty amorphous concept. So I'm curious if it's an easy conversation to have with your partners, one that they buy into, or it's a bit of a challenge. No, I, you know, I think, you know, they, they seem pretty receptive, you know, I mean, I do spend a lot of time with them, but I mean, they, they're sharp. I mean, they, they, you know, they seem to get it. Obviously there's, there's motivators for them, you know, because our development will become a showcase of their products and services. And they obviously want to, want to do it right. You know, they want us to be speaking highly of them. They want other people to see a great partnership and to see what's going on there, just kicking ass and taking names, literally. (laughs) So I I love working with all of those partners. I mean, because it's a really mutually beneficial situation. It's great. It really is good. Excellent. All right. So we're we're coming to the end here. I got two final questions that we kind of ask all of our guests. First one is, because you do work for uh, an NFL team, you're a revenue executive, and obviously a lot of people are interested in, in what is going to resonate with you if they have to approach you. I'm curious if somebody were to approach you or, or were to attempt to, I don't want to use the word sell, but let's say connect in a way that you guys found a, a valuable way to move forward. What resonates with you the best? What type of approach or, or uh, what gets your attention? I mean, being as high profile as, as we are, and this has been throughout my my career, regardless of the team. I mean, it's it's easy, you know, for Joe salesman to find out what the desk number is at <laughs> at the you know the Vikings and right. call and say, hey, let me talk to your guy in charge of technology, and they patch them through. And I answer the phone, and you know, I, I get the spiel. And honestly, it really turns me off 
And I mean, another thing is I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. So, you know, I get a lot of attention there. But, you know, the phone calls really kind of irritate me the most, to be honest with you, because I've listened to pitches and some of them have actually sound pretty compelling. But to get to the point where it's like, hey, you know, let me send you some more information. And they say, okay, great. Give me your email address. I'm like, okay, it's my name at blah, blah, blah. And they're, okay, so what's your email address? And I'm like, wait a minute, you don't even know my name. I mean, that that's the kind of thing that irritates me the most because as easy as it was to probably find the phone number, it's probably almost as easy to figure out at least what my name is. So I would say, do your homework. Find out who you're talking to. Find out a little bit about those people. Don't just go in there and think that just because they picked up the phone, you know, they're going to listen to your pitch. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have that's happened to me. And when it gets to the whole thing about getting, you know, getting, getting information and giving the email address that, I mean, I've told people, I said, I tell you what, go back, do your homework. There's this thing called Google. Okay. (laughs) Try it. Look me up and then call me back. I've had literally one, maybe two people do that my whole career. Wow. Yeah, you're you know, kinder than me. Like if they haven't done their homework and, and I pick up the phone because, you know, obviously I'm in sales. So I actually do make a practice of answering the phone because I teach people how to make cold calls the right way. If they don't, if they haven't done enough homework to know that they're who I am and answer, you know, get my attention out of the gate, I, I just don't have the patience for it. So you're much kinder to give them the opportunity to call. Back. Well, you, you say that. I haven't given you all the details. I mean, I, <laughs> I've had people in like, you know, the office across the hall, you know, come in after I've hung up the phone and said, wow, I, I can't believe you said that to them, <laughs> you know, kind of, so, you know, it's, I don't know. You know, like I said, though, I mean, everybody's time is valuable. I'm as willing as the next guy to listen, but do your homework. It's that simple. Is it the phone call itself or is it the lack of preparation for the phone call? Oh, oh no, the fo- it's not the phone call. It, okay. It's the lack of prep. I mean, the fact that they don't even know my name. I mean, some of them, I mean, I even answer the phone, you know, this is Todd. I mean, <laughs> write it down. They don't even remember that. <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's just, it's really irritating when things like that happen. Yeah. It just, all, it, it takes a little professionalism and respect for oneself and the person you're calling. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Okay. So last question, and we kind of think we kind of touched on some of it with the, you know, do your homework part, but I'm curious and let's kind of frame it in, in, uh, in, in sports tech specifically, if somebody were selling into sports tech or somebody were marketing or consulting and you had one piece of advice you could give them to make them successful in that arena, what would it be? Um, you know, I, I would say make it relatable. I, I look at a ton of stuff. I mean, I, I, I consider myself an innovator and, you know, pretty progressive, you know, solution minded tech guy, but it's like, make it applicable to what I'm doing. You know, just don't call me and say, you want to sell me a data mining tool. I mean, you know, tell me, tell me how, how is this data mining tool going to help us? And kind of the acid test I use is save money, make money, be more efficient you know, which kind of plays into the first two. So that's what I want to hear, because if I'm going to go and put my reputation and and on the line and argue for budgeting for something, those are the same things I'm going to get asked. So again, maybe it's a little bit more of the do your homework thing. Think about it. How does your product or service help the Minnesota Vikings, you know, a save money, make money, be more efficient, 
Does it help us be more competitive on the field? Does it make us help us make us be more competitive out in the business market? Does it improve how we do business internally? Those kind of things. That's what I want to hear. Not that I don't want to do any of the thinking, but you know, it's like it's just I, I just don't want to get I don't want to get the impression that I'm just having a, a canned pitch just spewed all over me. Right. Because we we look to partner. You know, we just don't want to buy your stuff. We want to be partners with the people we do business with. You know, that's that's the best way to do business. Yeah. Without do you find it, it takes a lot? It doesn't take a lot to prep. It doesn't take a lot to no. understand the concept. Right. It's not it's not a huge investment on a person's time. I'm wondering though, have you found that there is a lack of general business acumen that maybe people should be working to increase? Like you said, save money, make money, increase efficiency. Now, to me and you, that's that's pretty obvious, right? Yeah. But I, I see a lot of sales reps who have a tendency to not think that way. They think, hey, I've got this cool widget and it's going to do X. Why don't you want it? Mm-hmm. Right? And that, that's exactly right. And as a matter of fact, I mean, I I'm, have dealt with one of those you know earlier today. I have on my LinkedIn, I've got email addresses, you know, so I I literally have gotten an email, probably about four or five emails from a salesperson. And there's this literally paragraphs long introductory message. <laughs> I'm going to read all that. Come on. <laughs> right. I blew it off. And literally probably a week or so later, I got that same message back with another thing. Hey, you know, I just wanted to make sure you didn't miss this, you know, and then there was like a whole paragraph of stuff there. And I've literally gotten different versions of that same kind of thing, like two or three times since the original message. And I just, I just keep deleting them. And I'm like, sooner or later, they're just going to get it. You know, I mean, because believe me, there's a side of me that wants to say, hey, dummy, <laughs> this is way wrong. You know how you're doing this. I don't know who this works with, but it ain't working here. You know, so either get concise, tell me what the basic benefits are in a couple of bullet points and how I can contact you if I'm interested and then let it go. No, I mean, that's almost like I, I, I wonder now, you know, how much time, you know, she's spending just trying to chase me down and it's never going to happen. <laughs> a little bit of research, getting concise, yep. understanding yep. your audience you know, and, and putting the benefit, catching the attention. It doesn't take a lot. It, no, I mean, it doesn't take a lot, but it does take some time versus a, you know, we call in sales, we call it show up and throw up, right? You just <laughs> walk in and just, Hey, this is the cool shit that I do. And it's like, that's great. But if it doesn't, if it doesn't apply to the person you're talking to, you're not getting anywhere. It's almost right. a little disrespectful. I mean, quite frankly, from my perspective. And, and that's kind of the way some of those come off. Cause again, it's like, you know, I mentioned before how, you know, sports teams don't even do the whole shotgun email, you know, marketing thing anymore because it's it's really worthless. You know, it's a it's a low, low profile or low percentage shot. It, it feels like that. And it's like, hell, I mean, if if we figured that out, you know, why? Why haven't you? So, you know, <laughs> I mean, really. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Excellent. Well, hey, Todd, this has been phenomenal. I really appreciate the time. If uh, I'm going to assume the answer is LinkedIn, but if people wanted to follow up with you and, and touch base, would the best way be through LinkedIn or is another avenue that makes sense? No, LinkedIn is great. Um, I love LinkedIn. I, you know, I, I post articles and things, you know, fairly 
frequently. That's a, a great tool. I love it. I get a lot of, a lot of mentorship you know, requests and things through through LinkedIn. I, I love sharing about my experience with sports industry, but LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, I'm out there as well, you know, at T Calflish. I mean, you know, Facebook, you know, the normal stuff. I mean Okay. You know, my my kids kids are teaching me how to use Instagram and Snapchat. So <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Well, I really do appreciate the time today. This has been great. For those of you that have enjoyed the podcast, please take a moment to post a review in iTunes, share it with your friends, family, coworkers, help us get the word out. Uh, we're, we're doing this to try and help provide you guys with perspectives that'll help you become more effective and beat your targets. So please share the magic. Uh, and don't hesitate to visit t- the website, um, www.b2brevexec.com. Check out other interviews that we've conducted. And Todd, thank you again. Uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. And until we talk again, best of everything. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been fun. And Skull Vikings. (laughs) Skull (laughs) Vikings. Thanks, man. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. 